0: If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Welcome to the Colossians 3:1 podcast. Whether you've been a Christian your whole life or are new to the faith, we invite you to join our discussion as we dive into theology, objections to the faith, common questions, and hot topics in an effort to better know, love, and follow Jesus Christ.
1: Hello, and welcome back to the Colossians 3.1 podcast. I'm your co-host, Jared. Jared, <laughs> Sorry, forgot my name. I'm trying to combine myself with my co-host, Barrett. <laughs> and I'm Barrett. I mean Barrett. It's only a name I've been living with for almost 42 years now. Uh, Joining us is Zach, uh, who uh, teaches the Anchored Faith Apologetics class here at Greencastle Christian Church, runs a Facebook group of the same name, and serves in various other aspects of ministry. Also with us is Sam Draper, a pastor of discipleship at GCC. He holds a doctorate in ministry, and he is the writer of the Awkward Christian blog. Um, I am Jared Jernigan. Uh, I am a a volunteer here at the church. Uh, I've been a member for about 15 years. Uh, give communion meditations, uh, serve in various other roles, and I'm here kind of uh, as an opportunity to grow a little bit and understand a little more about theology because I know that two of the other people in this room uh, have put a lot more thought into it than I have, and I'd like to maybe play a little bit of catch-up. Yeah, a little bit about me. I'm Barrett. um been a member here for several years,
2: Um follower of Christ, dad of three boys, and uh, I hammer nails for a living, but... um, Jesus was a carpenter. Hey, there we go. (laughs) But uh, I'm honestly here to just learn from these guys and and hang out with you guys and and learn a lot more about theology and learn about what big words mean that I've never heard before. And hopefully (laughs) rain Zach and Sam in (laughs) when ask... um, The same question that you're probably asking, or what I'm thinking, um, when they say big
1: words. And and yes, our job is to rein them in. However, these are big questions, and um, that is kind of why we're here again for a third week uh, talking about, um, does God change? And just by way of uh, intro of that, the reason we are talking about that is that it was part of A recently released the State of Theology study, which you can find at thestateoftheology.com. That was done by Ligonier Ministries and Lifeway Research. And basically what they did was they took a poll of the general U.S. adult population and then compared that to what evangelicals thought and just kind of revealed some of their findings. Yeah, and I will add to
0: that. You go to their website, they have... We're kind of going over their key findings, right? Right. So uh, you can also get into their data explorer, which goes into, I think they have like 35 statements that people uh, respond to either strongly agree, strongly disagree, (laughs) somewhat disagree, neutral, somewhat agree, strongly agree. And, uh, so you can go in and, and kind of dive in for yourself and you can, if you're a, a stats geek, uh, you can go in and manipulate the data based on age, gender, region of the U.S., population density, if like, what are people in cities saying versus people in the rural areas, education, income, marital status, ethnicity, uh, religious affiliation, uh, basically some broad uh Christian denominational categories. Um as well as church attendance. Or not church, yeah, not size of church, but uh several times a week, once a week, once to twice a month, only religious holidays, rarely, um, never or not sure. So you can you can kind of see how different groups respond, not only to the key findings we're going through, but all of them you can also take the survey yourself or if you have uh, say a group of people if your're church uh, listen to this and you have a small group you know you can uh, kind of tailor that for your group and kind of see what your your tribe or, or church or whatever thing so um, so yeah this is this is a lot more than just a news article we're going over this is their data. Uh, they also have the uh, UK 2018 data available, which I haven't looked at, but it's there on the
1: website as well. Okay. So, um, yes, we are talking about the question, does God change? Um, in, the, uh, in what we are reading, that is the first thing addressed. And first of all, in these first two episodes, I think it's been addressed a number of times what Scripture says about that which Scripture very much tr- strongly tells us that God does not change. But what we find in this, uh, you know, in the findings of the survey is that among the general U.S. adult population, uh, 51% of adults agree that God does change, 32% disagree, saying God does not change. Among evangelicals, 48% still agree that God changes, well, 43% disagree that God changes. And I think some of what we've maybe been trying to tackle, and, or what we'd like to tackle, is where do these thoughts uh, come from that you know, that aren't consistent with Scripture? And just something that I would offer, that I think maybe I've even observed at certain times in my own walk, is I do think sometimes people see Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross as plan B. Like the Old Testament, the Garden, but maybe other places too, I think people see it, and this is obviously not correct, as God saying, well, I messed up there, what's next? So I would just maybe like, you know, in in trying to say, where do these thoughts come from? um, I think sometimes maybe we struggle to get people to make that connection that it was God's plan all along. So I don't know if either of you would like to run from there. No, that is is a very, very good point. One of
0: the one of the challenges, so most Christians have not read their entire Bibles. Okay, I was uh, it was another LifeWay research um, that one in five Christians, so 20%, have read the entire Bible. And of those, I think it was 11% had only read it once all the way through. So, when you think about that, how are people picking up their Bible knowledge, their theology? Well, they're going, you know, uh, it's mostly sermons. You know, let, let's be honest. That's our primary way of, of getting the word to people. Well, so as a pastor, when I'm creating sermons, very rarely will a church say, we're going to go from Genesis to Revelation, Straight through. No, we'll do. Oh, we're gonna do a six week series on uh, relationships, and then we're gonna do a series through uh, Ephesians, and we're gonna go and do a series on um some uh topic on money, or and so we're bouncing around in these sermons which doesn't necessarily paint a coherent picture of the plan from beginning to end. Now, in addition to that, uh, another way people engage Scripture is devotionals. All right, you get like a, a little daily devotional type thing. Well, that's picking up what? One or two verses. And, and reading that with a little paragraph about how this makes me feel. And then, you know, it's not all of them, but those are the ones that just drive me up the wall. <laughs> but then it's, again, it's pop, ba-da-ba-da-ba-da. Ba-da, ba-da. We're bouncing around and not tracing the thread all the way through. Um. Uh, there's a, a book on my shelf, uh, uh, From creation to the cross by Bayless, a, a book I thoroughly enjoy. That one of the things it, it tries to even pull it down if you if you want or recording in my office, <laughs> but it it traces out basically how the Old Testament points ahead to Jesus, and then the New Testament points back to Jesus. But all in all, it's all about Jesus. But, okay, so so that would say that's point one, is the way we approach Scripture is so uh, sporadic, it's not a coherent picture. Number two is that when we do touch on some of the Old Testament, we, we tend to moralize it. So the classic example uh, a preacher is preaching on David and Goliath. And then the key point is what's your Goliath? Cuz you're David and what's your Goliath that God's sending you to tackle? No, we're not Goli- we're not David. Jesus is David. He's the one David foreshadows Jesus. It's called type and anti-type. So in the Old Testament, there's a type that points ahead to its partner, the anti-type. Not anti-meaning against, just meaning it's the one that's connected to it. So David, in tackling Goliath, we're the Israelites watching from the sidelines too afraid while Jesus, our champion, goes and defeats the Goliath of, of sin, death, and Satan. Okay? But if we don't, if instead we preach it in this moralistic, like, feel-good, it's... Okay, so uh, Barrett likes it when I define terms. <laughs> it's called therapeutic, moralistic deism. Therapeutic because it's all about making me feel good. Moralistic because it's about giving us some little moral, some little nugget of how to live, and it's deism because it's a god that's not really connected with with how we're actually living. It's not personal. It's not a personal god. It's just kind of, eh. There's this guy who did this kind of some stuff in the past, and then here's some little life advice, self help. Now, we do that because either A, sometimes preachers aren't actually honestly, sometimes we are so busy doing for God we're not actually listening to God. It's just honest. And sometimes we're focused on growing the church. Meaning expanding our kingdom and when you, when you start going for depth, sometimes people check out on you. Like, eh, no, and you're like, you want a crowd, preach some shallow feel-good stuff. Mm, yeah. Okay. I'm not saying all big churches are like that. But I'm just saying if you want a big church, that's an easy way to get the there. the easiest way to do it. So we have this disconnected way of leading people through Scripture and they don't know they don't know how it connects because we haven't talked them. You lost me with the type and anti-type. Okay, so um, so <clears throat> when you think of oh uh, you know, okay we got Jared didn't mention this he is the editor of our local newspaper, so you think about an old um, printing press. You would have. Like the letter D, and it's like the shape, this 3D shape. That's the type. And you you coat it with the ink, and you press it in, and it leaves an impression. Mm. That's the anti-type. Okay. So that's how they're connected. That okay. one leads to the other. Okay. So in Scripture, you have types like, and you see this a lot in the book of Hebrews.
2: Or Romans, which you just got done teaching. The Am- uh,
0: Oh yeah. I was just trying Paul to find even that says of yes. the
2: type. You
0: know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that is a, a good one. It's mentioned multiple times in scripture. So Adam, the first of us, first human, is a type of Jesus, who is the first of God's new humanity. Okay. So they're not they're not exactly. they're not identical. But it's foreshadowing. It's pointing ahead and saying uh, the 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 future one is going to be like this. Uh, m- with Moses, God tells Moses that there will be a, a prophet from among the people. Okay, so Moses is a type pointing ahead to Jesus. Um, in fact, we, we see in, in Jesus... Uh, You know, he goes out in the wilderness for 40 days. Just like Israel was in the wilderness for 40 years. He was tested by Satan. Tests that hearken back to times that Israel failed in the desert. They complained about food. Satan comes to Jesus, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus responds to Satan with quotes from Deuteronomy. So, Israel is a type pointing to Jesus, who is the true Israel. He succeeds where Israel fails. He succeeds where Adam failed. Um, so that that's just a way of, of saying that there's these connections, these yes. foreshadowings between the past and the, and Jesus. Yeah, thank you.
2: I, I, I'd like to add, um, not about the type thing, but just the original question was, Essentially, where the church failed, I, I think was kind of yeah kind of, well, we, absolutely or not failed but fallen short perhaps right. on this and I I agree with uh, something Sam said very very much so and I think it actually gets um, undervalued or 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 not looked at enough. But we talked about jumping from series to series and and a lot of churches do it. It's not just one church. I mean, you look at the church as a whole, people don't know their Bibles, and so I have had extensive conversations with many people that are far beyond ministry experience that I have and may ever have and are far more knowledgeable than me And it. You also see, and, and sometimes even unintentionally or not to anything that they're necessarily doing, but seminaries are on the decline in enrollment, number mm-hmm. one, but then certain seminaries are closing. They're having to restructure because of enrollment, but There's Bible colleges and seminaries, too, that aren't teaching the Bible. Like, you would think the Bible would be the primary source of where, but instead it's this philosophical understanding of the Bible out of a book written by somebody else instead of actually teaching the Bible. And and so all these truths aren't being taught. And then you get to the church, and I think from the pulpit sometimes, with the way culture is, it can be really comfortable for pastors to just not scratch that itch too much. Because now you have to explain it. And I don't, I'm not suggesting that with with GCC or, or, you know, some of the local churches here, but I, you know, from things that I hear and things that I've personally witnessed, I think you have a lot of times too, you have pastors, number one, in some scenarios that it's not their calling, it's their job. Mm Mm-hmm. And then number two, I think you have pastors that won't acknowledge that they're they've become unteachable. They're mm-hmm. the, they're the pastor. So what can God let let take away? You know, fellow pastors, or other lay ministry people, people who come along that, that God puts in people's life, but they can't they can't they don't even read this. I mean, I know I, I know people who don't even read. their Bible, they just listen to it and we can debate that for another time but it's not the same thing. I mean, one of my pet peeves is we're at a study and everybody's on their phone Bible app. That drives me insane because what do you have distractions? Oh, I had a text message. Oh, Colts yeah. just got score. Oh, Colts lost again. You know, this whole thing it's like <laughs> but when you open the word of God in the when you open the Bible, you can do away with distractions. You can read it. And I think that people are failing to I think churches are failing to put the emphasis on number one, this is the word of God because that's under attack too. So if this isn't the complete word of God, it's full of errors, it's cultural relative, it changes. Well, now you're not really going to preach it anyway. You know, uh, you're going to pick and choose what you do, but then you mix that with series sermon, sermonettes or serious things, or you have churches that it's this constant state of like guilt, you know, they're, Christ is our firm foundation. We sing that song, and and the Bible talks about He's the chief cornerstone. But we, I say we, I just mean churches have this thing that's just this revolving door of guilt, shame, forgiveness, out the door, come back next week. It'll be an emotionally charged sermon of Jesus is always with you and never leave you nor forsake you, lay it at the door, maybe even... Heaven forbid. Maybe it's because of something you did while you had a bad week that Jesus has left you and you owe something and you need to come forgive it. And that's how can people and, and Christians? How can we live? You know, like Sam said, sometimes Sunday, unfortunately for the majority, I think, and I would agree, that's that's their Bible for the week, or they do the they do a devotional, they do whatever. Well, how in the world can you live on a or build on a chief cornerstone if you don't ever get past the fact that Jesus died for your sins, believing in him. I mean, Paul, Peter, Jude, there's these exhortations to move on from the elementary teachings and, and dig in and understand. And you talk about being protected from empty philosophies, deceitful doctrines. I mean, we've been talking about, does God change? You know, here we have in Hebrews... 13.8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Well, one, we have to understand Jesus Christ is God, so he's eternal. But then if you stop at eight, you can miss the fact that if you don't hold the eight, then number nine is really easy to, to miss because it says, do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines. So if the church isn't teaching who God is, number one, that the Bible's the word of God. And then you go through, you know, um, an exegetical, you know, sermon series on letting people know, to, to tackle the tough things. And pastors should have the
0: yeah.
2: humility to, and I, and people do, pastors do, but as a whole.
0: Well, and, and just, okay, it, it takes two to tango, right? Yes, sure, of course. Yeah, so as church leaders, and I'm not just talking about paid people, you know, Basically, mature Christians are called to disciple immature Christians. Now, with that, we live in a world where, for so many people, church is the if I got nothing else to do. CEO. Yeah. The Christmas, uh, what?
2: Christmas Easter, other holidays. You, <laughs> CEO attendees. Christmas, uh, oh. Easter, other holidays. Never heard that. Okay.
0: Yeah, I've called them submarine Christians. Uh, yeah. They surface once every six months, <laughs> uh, or Creasters, Christmas Easters. Yeah. But even even beyond that, okay. So we're we're all parents yeah. here, yeah. and our kiddos, the world is trying to fill their schedule. Amen. <laughs> and you know as as parents sometimes okay we we want good things for our kids Mm -hmm. but let's be honest how many kids are going to go from travel soccer team to to soccer scholarship to college to making some kind of career out of that you know but it's like oh well no we got we got travel soccer we're gone we're gone we're gone and then their kids do grow up and they go off to college and lo and behold church isn't a priority for them well, why not? Parents, you taught them that church wasn't important. Mm-hmm. In the same way, we are one of the most literate societies ever. Access to tremendous amounts of information, and we don't read. <laughs> or at least we, we don't read what what ultimately matters. Now now for okay, I'm I'm well aware different learning styles. If somebody's going to listen to the word, I I don't have a problem with that because A, you might be an oral listener.
2: I don't have a problem if they can avoid distraction. I just question that.
0: Yeah, like there, I'll be honest, sometimes I'm putting it on while I'm doing other work so I can check it off my... (laughs) so I can catch up on my daily uh, uh, reading. And yeah, that is distracted. You see... um, I once heard, I heard some advice of for somebody that listen to it while you read along. Because, yeah, you may, you may hear it and process it better orally, but you're focused listening and mm-hmm. not, as some of you are probably doing while listening to this podcast, doing something <laughs> else. Um. But, but yeah, I, I, I totally, I totally get that. But we have the Word of God, and yeah, it is. I mean, this. So this is a large print New Living Translation. Uh, that over, he's holding, yeah, that he's holding in his hands. Yes, over a thousand pages. It's a big book. There's a lot, and then there's got some names in there. It's hard to pronounce, um, but. You know, like I I use this. How do you eat an elephant? Bite at a time. One bite at a time. So don't think, oh, I'm just going to pick up and read it and just have a photographic memory and just learn it all. No. It takes 10,000 hours to master something. So, yeah, you might have to read the Bible a couple times for some things start to click. Okay. But did you give up the first time you fell off a bike? No, no, you got back up and and kept going. And of all the things in life, listening or reading the Word of God should be one of our priorities. Now, part of that is on the church. We don't push that, list that as an expectation. It's like, hey, you know, we don't hold each other accountable to that because we don't want to offend anybody. But, you know, it's... Okay, we, we, we just finished a sermon series on Ephesians <laughs> and Ephesians six uh, about the, uh, the spiritual armor that we use to fight off the schemes of Satan. okay? Evil and spiritual beings. okay, that's another that's another episode. That's probably our, our motto for this yeah. <laughs> that's coming up in a later podcast. But the Bible is our sword. In this spiritual battle between the the dark side of our soul, the you know the part of us that wants to do evil, the part of us that wants to do good. If you may have heard the old saying, uh, you know, inside me are two wolves, one that wants to do good, one that wants to do bad. Which one is going to win? The one I feed. Mm. In the same way, the Bible is our weapon. I like the, that. the Bible um, is. I mean, Jesus, when he was tempted, he quoted Scripture. If the Bible is our ammunition, how many of us are going unarmed? You know.
2: Well, and I agree, and I think that you know, you said, I don't, I don't know what percentage you'd, you'd prefer to give it. I don't. Certainly, the entire blame can't be to fall on pastors and preachers because the Bible even says if people would read it that you need no one teach you the Holy Spirit. It's your helper, you, and right. the Bible's, uh, the Word of God's a, a living sword, or a double-edged sword living and alive, you know, God will do, the Holy Spirit will do what it needs to do if you just give it a little bit of time, but I think, in from my view, the church as a whole is also still responsible before that, because you think that 70% of graduating seniors will fall away from the faith within their first year of of leaving high school and they won't come back to it, 65% of people joining a cult leave because they want sound doctrine. They want taught the Bible. Now, unfortunately, those 65 are getting taught bad doctrine and bad Bible, but they're getting taught something. They just want something. Now, those aren't in the same group of people who just are our CEO Christians and, the, you know, our Sunday country club people. That, that happens. Every church has has them, but if the pastors and the teachers of the church who are gifted by God to equip the saints aren't equipping, then you have this example on Sunday morning of, oh, well, we're doing this, or we're doing that, we're not really utilizing this, but for a good, feel good, we're going to insert a devotion here and a devotion there, then then that's a learned, it can be a learned behavior as well as that's really not that important, so why would I read it Monday through Saturday? Mm-hmm. And, and so it, it's not... Hundred percent on the church. It's definitely individual. Resp- the Individual end up being held responsible as well, pastors yeah. and teachers.
0: But so so. I was at this disciple making conference, and I'll try to keep this short. But, um, I was doing this uh, track session with uh with a guy about his uh, sustainable discipleship. Is the name of his organization? And it's basically his discipleship model is you spend three years with somebody. Every year. They read through the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, over three years, and then it's a then the the discipling part is first year you help them see truths, so they're they're reading they're highlighting ahas or huh, and then okay why'd you highlight that what is why the Holy Spirit have that one stand out to you, so they're they're learning truth second year they're connecting truth. Oh, okay, where do, where does do we see that elsewhere in scripture? So some of what we're doing here, it's like, oh, okay, does does God know the future? Okay, what are these various verses? Can we link these? And then the third year is take it bigger. You have you have these set of verses. Well, now what does this mean for questions that aren't specifically answered? Like, you know, uh, what job should I take? The Bible doesn't tell me do I be a plumber or an electrician. It doesn't tell me that. But there are things it teaches us about how to work in a way that honors God. So the point I was trying to get at is he was talking about why do people think the Bible is boring? If four out of five haven't read the whole thing, how do they know it's boring? Who told them it was boring? Hmm. And I, I think back to some of the times if if I you know have to reference Leviticus in a sermon, did I make a comment or something that may have discouraged somebody, or or have I presented the Bible in ways like, oh yeah, I feel just kind of skip to Matthew. <laughs> just kind of, don't don't start with Genesis because then you get into. You know, Leviticus and Numbers, and that's really hard. So maybe we have created an impression about the Bible that is unfair and inaccurate. But anyway, uh so God learns and adapts to different circumstances. We say we we disagree with that, right? We, we, uh, yes, I absolutely disagree.
1: They're <laughs> like Mythbusters. Yeah. Ooh, nice. Oh, nice. There we go. Yeah.
0: Uh, Theology Mythbusters is probably already taken for a podcast. But... <laughs> so.
1: Well, okay. Well, I think uh, that wraps up uh, our discussion uh, for this week. So uh, please be sure to join us next week on the uh, Colossians 3 1 podcast.